the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Paul mentions these three hardships, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, to present himself as a legitimate servant of Christ. I know that some of you will think, but wait a minute, Steve, I know a lot of individuals who work hard like Paul did, and they get by on very little sleep, and they don't eat nutritious meals, they miss meals, they just catch some fast food. I know people like that, so why was Paul different? People who will make those kinds of sacrifices are the people who are truly sold out for a cause. The important question, though, is for what cause? If the cause is for money, fame, power, or even altruism, it is a futile cause. But sold out for Jesus, the blessings that come from that are beyond reckoning. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're in the midst of a study about hindrances to the gospel, and our text is from 2 Corinthians 6. Paul was willing to endure anything that would encourage people to come to faith in Jesus. And he endured a great deal as he set a high standard for us as we seek to be effective ambassadors for Christ. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible if you're able to do so. Let's get started. A second type of suffering inflicted upon him, Paul says, was in imprisonments, meaning that he was arrested and jailed in connection with his service for Christ. In chapter uh, 11 of 2 Corinthians, verse 23, said that many times he was imprisoned. Now, why is someone imprisoned for Christ? Well, it's obvious. The goal of arresting someone for preaching the gospel is to silence them. Get them off the streets so that they can't preach anymore. Lock them up. Get them out of circulation so they can't be out there planting churches and evangelizing. And so they try to do with Paul. They try to put him out of commission. But you know what? When you are Christ's servant, you don't let your jail sentence uh, frustrate you. You don't let it silence you. You simply continue witnessing in jail. You just witness in jail. That's exactly what Paul did. Once again, Philippians. We're looking at Philippians a bit, but uh, it's because it, it reveals something of Paul's suffering. Philippians chapter 1. The background of this book is that when Paul wrote Philippians, he was under house arrest in Rome. He had been arrested four years earlier uh, in Jerusalem. He had spent two years in prison in Caesarea Philippi in Israel. Then they transferred him to Rome because he appealed to Caesar. On the way to Rome, his ship was destroyed in a storm, so they made it all the way to the little island of Malta, just south of Sicily. They were there for three months. He finally got to Rome, and they put him under arrest in in a house. And Paul said he rejoiced in his imprisonment. He was actually rejoicing. Even though he wasn't out there evangelizing, even though he wasn't out there planting churches, notice what he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, and he means my rotten circumstances, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Though I'm stuck in prison, the gospel has gone on. How is that? Verse 2, so that my imprisonment in the cause, uh, verse 13, I mean, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known 
throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. The Praetorian Guard were the elite soldiers who had been assigned to him because he was a prisoner of the state. And they, he was chained to a soldier, a new soldier, every six hours they would change. Now, Paul had been there for, for two years. Just about every guard knew of Paul. And guess what Paul did when they were chained to him? They couldn't get away. He witnessed. He would witness to them. And so they left knowing about Christ. They went home and told their families, who told their friends, who told other families, who told other friends, to the point that the gospel spread throughout uh, this city, Rome, to the point where in verse 22 of chapter 4, he says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. It had even gone to the emperor's own home, either either slaves, servants, or uh, family members in his household. They had become Christians. Uh, Paul could not be silenced. He did not back off. Far from feeling sorry for himself because of his rotten circumstances, Paul recognized that God had sovereignly placed him in prison in order to advance the gospel. Now, you and I are not in prison for your, for our faith, but God has placed some of us in some very difficult situations, trying circumstances. Perhaps you, uh, you are in a family that you're the only believer and it's very difficult. Perhaps you have, uh, you work for someone who mistreats you and doesn't appreciate you, but you really don't know where else to get another job, or you live next to neighbors who are loud and noisy and and not particularly uh, courteous. But God has placed you there to be his instrument, to be his instrument to advance the gospel. Where you are may not be personally attractive to you, but that's not the issue. The issue is that God has providentially placed you there to advance the gospel, for you to be faithful in your endurance with these trying circumstances so that others could see how real Christ is in your life and worth suffering for. The third specific type of suffering Paul mentions is that he was in, that was inflicted upon him. He says the, the uh, expression in tumults. Now, that, that's not a word we use very often. It simply means riots brought about in response to his preaching. It seems that everywhere Paul went, two things happened. People, number one, people got saved. And number two, a riot broke out. Those two things. The typical scenario is that in each town that Paul came and preached to, a uh, crowd of uh, people spurred on by religious authority started a disturbance against the apostle. And as we read the book of Acts, you realize that riots broke out in connection with Paul's ministry. Listen to this list. And these are only the ones that are recorded. Only God knows how many more uh, riots broke out. In Damascus, Jerusalem, Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, and Ephesus. Wow, everywhere this man went. But Paul didn't quit. Paul didn't say, you know what, I'm, I'm, as I said before, I'm getting too old for this. He didn't, he didn't do that. And when we say there are riots, they attempted to kill the man. In Lystra, he was pelted with stones and left for dead. At Philippi, as we saw, he was beaten and thrown in prison, tortured. He was forced to flee from Thessalonica. He was dragged before the Roman authorities in Corinth, and he was in the process of being beaten to death by a Jewish mob in Jerusalem before some Roman soldiers rescued him. Yet, in spite of these frequent outbursts of violence, Paul never wavered in his faith for Christ. What what a man! But he calmly stuck to his objective of preaching the gospel. In fact, if you think that he wasn't human and he he was just so hardened that it didn't bother him. It says in Acts chapter 18 that uh, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not be afraid. Paul was afraid. Paul didn't enjoy this stuff. 
Paul was a little guy getting beaten on by people everywhere he went. He was afraid. God said, do not be afraid, for I have many people in the city. Continue to preach. And he did. Once again, he endured even in the face of danger. And it proved that his sincerity for Christ was so real and that Christ was so real and he was his servant and that Jesus was worth suffering for, even if they took his life, which eventually they did in a Roman dungeon. They put him in there and they called him out and they eventually chopped his head off. See, Paul didn't disgrace the ministry. He didn't indicate that he was a fair-weather disciple, as many of us do indicate. He stuck with Christ through, number one, the general trials of ministry. Number two, the sufferings inflicted on him by others in persecution. But there was a third type of trial that Paul endured in his service for Christ. And to me, this is the most amazing, because this third type is a, is a type of trial which we would call self-inflicted hardships. That is to say, nobody put it upon him. He voluntarily put this upon himself. Verse 5 goes on to say, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. Unlike the previous statements about Paul's sufferings, which really was persecution brought on by others, these three words express hardship that he brought on himself. He did this to himself for the cause of Christ. The first hardship he mentions that he imposed on himself was, he says, in labors, meaning this, he endured for Christ in the face of a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. Paul was a tiresome laborer. Someone once commented that the world is run by tired men. That's absolutely true. Certainly true in Paul's case. You know, if, you, if a man is busy and yet he accomplishes a lot, he's the man you want to give more to. He's the man you want to give more to because he'll get the job done. Paul was like that. In fact, Paul worked so hard in serving Christ that the Greek word that he uses here to describe his labor implies the thought of toiling to the point of exhaustion and fatigue. When we finish this, you'll have a new appreciation for Paul. There was no laziness in the apostle. He didn't work a few hours during the day and then play golf. He didn't do that. He strained and pushed himself to serve Christ to the point of weariness. Now, keep in mind that Paul was not just a missionary. He was a tent maker. He was what we would call a leather worker. His policy was to work as a tent maker in order to be financially independent. He didn't want churches thinking that he was preaching this message to get their money. Remember, Christianity was new. The church was new, didn't have 2,000 years to, to look at and, and kind of get a historical perspective. He didn't want people thinking he was a religious con artist, just coming with a message so he can get fat and, and be rich off of the folks. And so he worked as a tent maker. Now, that, that's not, he does not impose that on others. He, that was totally voluntary on his part, but he wanted to be in, financially independent. And he provided not only for himself, but for the men who worked with him, as well as poor people. Paul always had a burden to take care of the poor. So that meant that he worked day and night with both his ministry and his leather work. Let me show you this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8, he speaks of this. I'm, I'm just amazed at, at Paul. It's a missionary worth investing in. He says in verse uh, 8, Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul said, whenever I could, I did my leather work whether it was getting up early or staying up late, I did that so we wouldn't be a burden to you, that, that if you gave me food, I could pay for it. 
There's no mooching off of you. Now, just a little glimpse into Paul's lifestyle while he was at Ephesus will give you a new appreciation for this man. Acts chapter 20. Look look with me at Acts chapter 20. It's just incredible the way Paul worked, how hard he worked. Now, some people think that the ministry just kind of work one day a week. I had a neighbor like that who uh, said to me, I thought you guys just work one day a week. I said, I don't know what kind of ministers you know, but the kind that I know don't work like that. They work very hard, and Paul certainly was in that, that class. In Acts chapter 20, this is the background he's speaking about his Ephesian ministry. He says in verse 31, therefore, he tells the elders from Ephesus, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Night and day he worked. But there's more. Chapter 20, verse 20. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Paul went house to house visiting people in this city solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's working, doing his leather work night and day. He's working night and day whenever whenever he can. Look at chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Now he's in the city, or rather, look, look at verse 9 and 10. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples Look at this, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. He must have rented a building and every day had classes there. Every day taught people, probably paid for it himself and just taught people the word of God. It says in verse 10, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So he's don't, don't turn from Acts yet. He's reasoning uh, in the school. He's teaching in the school. He's doing his leather work. He's providing for the needs of the poor and for the needs of others. Chapter 20, we go back to chapter 20. It sort of sums this up. He says to the Ephesian elders, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me and everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you realize how Paul worked. He was working his secular job during the daytime. He was working his secular job at night. He was working his ministry during the daytime. He was working his ministry at night. In fact, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, that he worked harder than all the apostles. All the apostles. There is no, there is no room in the ministry for laziness. Lazy ministers are to get into something else. There is no room. Paul said he worked harder than all the apostles. No wonder as you go back to chapter 6 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the next self-inflicted hardship Paul mentions is in sleeplessness. When did the guy have time to sleep? He's not talking about insomnia here. He worked so hard that there were times he went without sleep or certainly shortened his hours of sleep in order to devote himself to the work of the ministry says in 2 Corinthians 11.27 that he had been through many sleepless nights. This was not occasional. This was a lifestyle. While others were enjoying rest, comfort at home, Paul was deprived of sleep for the sake of Jesus Christ. And no doubt at times, Paul was so involved in his work that he didn't even have time to eat a meal. That's why he says in the last phrase, in hunger, in hunger. There were times he went, I don't think this is um, uh, fasting and prayer, but just too busy doing the work, too busy to even stop and have a meal. 
wonder Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that his outer man was decaying. It's true of all of us, but Paul was an old man before his time. That was the servant of God. Paul mentions these three hardships, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, to present himself as a legitimate servant of Christ. I know that some of you will think, but wait a minute, Steve, I know a lot of individuals who work hard like Paul did, and they get by on very little sleep, and they don't eat nutritious meals. They miss meals. They just catch some fast food. I know people like that. So why was Paul different? Paul was different because all those people do it because of some monetary compensation. Or they do it because they're workaholics and that's how they gain their self-esteem. Paul didn't do it for any of those reasons. Paul deprives himself of these things for the sole reason that he served Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ was worth serving and suffering for. That's why Paul wasn't getting wealthy doing this stuff. Didn't make Paul have a good self-image. He faithfully endured serving Christ, even though it meant that his muscles often ached from working hard. He was tired due to sleep deprivation, and he was hungry because he was too busy to eat three meals a day or however many they ate back then. But this is how someone who serves Christ is to conduct himself. Why? So as not to bring disgrace on Christ in the ministry. Your attitude should be, Lord, I will go through, I I am willing to go through anything for you. If it means being beaten, being thrown in prison, losing even my reputation for you, exhaustion, sleeplessness, and hunger. Why, Lord? Because one reason and one reason alone, you are worthy. You're worth it all. You are the treasure of my soul. Live like this and the world doesn't laugh or mock you for following Christ. They, they may not like the message. They don't like the message. But they'll understand one thing they'll understand that you're genuine. They'll understand that there must be something to this Christianity. For why would you ever live like this if there wasn't? What's your service for Christ like? First of all, if you're a believer, you you really should be involved in service. If you're not, shame on you. Does your service reflect his lordship, your life? Is he that treasure to you that there's nothing that you wouldn't do for him? No price that you would fail to pay. No sacrifice you wouldn't make. Would you be willing to be beaten up, thrown in, in jail, inside a mob? Would you work all day in your job and serve him in the evenings? We have people like that. May their tribe increase here. But we have people like that. Would you go without sleep and food for him? Many of our people do that. God wants all of us to be willing to do that. You see, service for Christ is costly. It's costly then, it's costly today. But it sends a message to others that your life is worth giving for the cause of Christ. He's worth giving. Your life is laid on the altar for him. One of the things that we need to come to grips with, and I'm always reminded of this when I go on a missions trip, and I come back, is let's not be spoiled American Christians. We are such a pampered people. That's our culture. We are so used to the conveniences of life that, that we think that if, if we have to move, if the elders say you have to move in your Sunday school class to another classroom or, or a new building, that that's a major inconvenience. You laugh, but some are not laughing because they would gripe and complain. And I say shame on us for that. Shame on us. You think that's suffering? You don't know what suffering is. 
Or we think that if we come to church and it's raining, it's a major sacrifice. Perish the thought that we should get some water on us. So the best thing, if you have that attitude, is visit the mission field. Understand that that uh, we ought to be different than the culture that we live in. We ought not to be pampered, spoiled Americans. We ought to be Christians like Paul. The gospel ought to be making progress and not be hindered by our lives in any way. We need to show people that we're different than the culture we live in. And one way you do that is by being willing to suffer for Christ and persevere. People are more inclined to listen to you talk about Christ when they see you live for Christ. Let's bow for prayer. I recognize that this morning's message has been directed at believers. That's who Paul directed it at, and so we direct it there. But these are the sufferings that Paul endured for Jesus. But I want you to know that they can't compare to the sufferings Christ endured for Paul or for you. Jesus died in your place. Jesus died in our place as our sin bearer. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's already paid for your sin. And the only way you can be forgiven, the only way that you can be forgiven is you come to him in repentance and trust, giving your lives to him. And he'll give you a new life. He'll transform you. He'll forgive you. I urge you to do that. Let today be the day of your salvation. Understand the grace of God which motivated Paul. Christ died for you that you might be saved and live for him. If we could be of any help as the service closes, we're available. Give a call and any of our leaders will be happy to speak to you, including myself, about Christ. Well, Father, I pray that you'll take these words, brief words from Paul, but so meaningful, and apply it to our lives. Lord, help us to break out of this mold of being the spoiled American Christian who thinks that sacrifice and inconvenience are the marks of, of true commitment when that sacrifice and inconvenience so little. I pray that Paul's life will inspire us, Lord, especially those in leadership to serve you with a tirelessness. Lord, that it is, it is grueling to serve you. It is tiresome. It is, it does bring weariness on, but you're worth it. And we tell you that. We tell you that we love you not only in words, Lord, but by our service. I pray for everyone here who knows Christ to be active in serving you with a diligence like Paul, to be willing to suffer for you, to be willing to lose sleep, to be willing to lose a meal, to be willing to work hard just because you are who you are. And I pray that you'll draw to yourself those who, who need Christ, those who are without him. Lord, may they see in our lives that Jesus is the treasure of our souls. And we pray this in his name. Amen. That's a real challenge, isn't it? To live with the intensity Paul exhibited or at least something like that, is exhausting. But as I said in our previous program, one of my college professors said that that is how we should spend our lives if we are to live Christ-like lives. We should come to the end of our lives used up for Christ. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more about Lakeside or to request a free CD with the message Pastor Steve just concluded, call Lakeside at 727 727- For the CD, ask for Message 633, Hindrances to the Gospel, Part 3. And if you have questions about salvation or other aspects of your faith, 
someone at Lakeside would be happy to help you find the answers to those questions. The number again is 727-441-1714. Stop in some Sunday if you're in town and looking for a place to worship. I know you'll find a warm welcome and excellent Bible teaching at Lakeside. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Or visit online at lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. Visit www.versebyverseradio.org to catch up on previous broadcasts, subscribe to our podcasts, or to give online to help support Verse by Verse. But we do hope that you'll not neglect supporting your home church as you do so. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. There's a story about a rancher who went to town one day and happened to bump into the local veterinarian. Hey, Doc, said the rancher, I'm glad I saw you. I've got this quarter horse that limps sometimes, but not all the time. Sometimes he's okay for a week or two, and then he can hardly walk, much less run. Any suggestions? The vet replied, yep. Next time he walks normally, sell him. (laughs) That's pretty much how the world sees integrity, isn't it? As something that gets in our way. But for the Christ follower, integrity is an absolutely essential component of sharing the gospel. Pastor Steve will have more on the next Verse by Verse. I hope you can join us. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.